Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Welcome, everybody, to another Monday special. Today, we have someone on the show who was mentioned in the podcast where Gemma Else was on the show, and she was talking about how her VA does almost everything um, possible in her business and only costs you know less than £300 a month, which is pretty awesome. I had a few people asking about that, and actually... She mentioned someone called Imogen Cook at the end of her uh, podcast and Imogen got in contact with me and this podcast is with her. So we speak about, you know, what is a VA, kind of misconceptions about it, how you find one, how she finds one, the services she offers, um, what VAs can do for you and pretty much everything. And also the kind of prices that you're going to pay for a VA because that is also very important. Uh, one thing that we have, which is a really awesome giveaway, is a 100 things that you as a property investor can give to a VA. So if you're thinking, oh no, I can't give this away, you can't give that away. Oh, I've got to do that. I've got to do this. Oh, how can a VA source off a right move? Well, if you listen to the podcast with uh, Rob and Sarah Hodge from May Green Investments, their VA does everything, sends them a link and says, here's a property that you are going to want to view and have booked it in done. Instead of having to you look through right move, look through Zoopla, call, find this, find that, she'll do it all. Um, so there's many, many things you can do. And this PDF check checklist or, or sheet is available. If you head to um, the notes below this podcast or the Instagram post associated with it or the Facebook post, I will put a link in that will take you straight to these uh, tips on a PDF. And hopefully that's really helpful. And I hope you enjoy this podcast because I definitely have. And it's got me thinking about some areas that I could use a VA for. By the way, we're still running the competition uh, with Rich Little, who is an RAF pilot and skydive instructor. There's space for eight people to come to a mastermind in Yorkshire. Right, yeah, have some Yorkshire tea. And spend half a day looking at his properties and his projects, but then also spend half a day with him. And he has a lot of properties. Check out his podcast, Fully Useful Tips. Also, one of the eight can win either, you know, a flight simulator experience or... A skydive. Yes, Ted Talks, a property podcast, is giving away a skydive. Yes, people, enter the competition. The details are on the Instagram post that says new episode and talks about Rich's episode. Imogen, welcome to the Ted Talks podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for getting in touch. You know, it, it's kind of, I've never had someone who was mentioned on a podcast before then sort of come on the podcast. I'm really excited for this because... Today's quite a special episode. Now, you know, property investors are very busy, as as any business is, but there's always so much to do. And, you know, like you kind of mentioned before we were talking on the podcast, so many investors kind of hear about virtual assistants, understand them maybe slightly, want one, kind of don't know who to trust with their password, who to give their details to, you know, it can be quite complex um, in terms of understanding and finding a virtual assistant. So if everyone listening today, we're really going to talk about, you know, virtual assistants. But before we do that, Imogen, what were you doing, you know, before VAs, before property? What, what was your job? Sure. So, um, like a lot of your listeners probably either are at the moment or um, were in the past, um, I was very much a corporate corporate monkey. Um, I was working in, in London in the rat race, financial services. 
I work quite closely with hedge funds who are um, exhausting and stressful. And um, yeah, I, I got pretty fed up with that. So um, I moved across um, first into property investing. And then um, I got uh, more involved with virtual assistants um, as a result of that. Okay. But then how did you discover property? So my first um, adventures in property, um, I was a landlord before I got into any kind of official property education um, seminars and circles. There are, there are a lot of those types of organizations in London. Um, so I, I had a certain familiarity with being a landlord. Um, I'd actually had a lot of problems, a lot of sort of dodgy tenants and uh, the, some of the stress that comes with property. And then a friend of mine invited me to, to go to one of these learn about how to invest in property weekends. And that was in 2014. And in all honesty, I wasn't too sure about the whole thing at all. I was like, hmm, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if this is a scam or, or what this is going to be like. But I went along to the weekend. And in a nutshell, they presented to me this concept of property as a business. You know, I've always been very entrepreneurial and very interested in starting a business. Um, and I'd never really thought about it from that angle. So when they specifically presented it in that way, it started to make a lot of sense to me. Um, and in, in line with my previous experience as a landlord as well. So I got very, very excited about um, this whole thing. And then I, I didn't have loads of money to invest, so I, I went through that whole exercise of raising finance from from angel investors. That's a lot of work and something that you need to learn about as well. Um, I did that uh, 2015, and then with the capital that I raised, I bought a couple of HMOs in Birmingham. Um, doing more than one HMO at the same time is is very challenging for anyone who's been down that route. It's extremely stressful, especially if you're working full time as well. Um, but I, I like to, to go for it. I have a certain enthusiasm. Um, so with that, I, I had a lot of work to do. Um, and to support myself, um, I started to get into virtual assistants. Now, I specifically specialize with working with virtual assistants in the Philippines. And what I did was I went, um, I hired some people from there. Um, I, I went through a whole baptism of fire with that process as well, learning um, how to find the right people. But I got it nailed down. I got a system that I was really happy with to find great people for my own business. And I started outsourcing a day-to-day operations that there's, there's so much operational process in a property business. Um, it's very, very heavily operational you know all that tenant find workmen finding deals there's just there's so much um that people need to do so it it is a lot of work um to set one up i should say really but um even on an ongoing basis something like an hmo which has got heavy tenant flow going through it can also be quite a lot of work so that's what i was really needing some help with um but what then happened that i didn't foresee was that i was doing a lot of networking at the time and as I went to networking events and started talking to people, um, as soon as they understood that I was using uh, leveraging virtual assistants to help me run my property business, the amount of questions I got about it was crazy. People just were just ringing me up, following me around, asking me nonstop about this. And I hadn't expected that. I was a bit taken aback um, by it. But yeah, it, that was really the start of what was sort of an accidental business in all honesty and um it's just been very interesting and, and gone from strength to strength since then wow and so you know you got you got those hmos you raised angel kind of finance how and how difficult was it to find that finance 
It's such an interesting thing when you go raising finance. I think um, for me and and perhaps some other other people will relate to this, um, it's not actually difficult to raise finance. It's not complicated. There are things that you can do um, which will ensure that you can go and raise finance. And once you've done it once, the great thing is you can go and do it again. You can raise more money. It's a skill set. The thing that's hard about it, I think, is the mindset of, you know, if you're starting out in property and you're still learning it yourself, then the thought of going and investing not only your own money, but other people's money into something um, that you're doing for the first time can be quite a big um, overwhelm or mental barrier for people. So in all honesty with you, um, any challenges I had with raising finance were not logistical. um, They were emotional. And I had to work through that. I had to be confident. I had to have faith in myself. Um, I had an excellent mentor who really helped me with that, especially um, that side of things. Um, And one of the things that he said to me that was very powerful um, when I was having a full on freak out day was um, he said, look, he he said, Imogen, what is the absolute worst thing that can happen here? Um, And I was thinking about it. And he said, the worst thing that can happen, I think, is that you're going to have to sell a property. Now, I thought about that and I, I owned a place in London and I thought, yeah, he's right. The, the worst thing that, that could happen is I have to sell a property and that's not actually the, the end of the world. Like the, there is a way I can, you know, I'd have to start again and it would be hard, but it was hard anyway. So I was like, he's right. It's 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 going to be OK. And that just really helped me move forward. Um But, yeah, you've got to talk to a lot of people. You've got to tell everybody what you're doing. They need to be convinced in you. Um, I think what some people don't understand about finance is that for a lot of people, um, it's, it's, it is it's about making some money back, of course. But, I mean, if you're an angel investor, um, often what you're looking at is the person just as much as the deal, maybe more than the deal. Um, you know, do you trust them? Do you like them? Are they going to be reliable? Are they going to be fun to work with? Um, what do you both want from it? Define your relationship and your roles within that. And I think people get way too carried away and excited about raising money without thinking about the relationship aspect of it. And at the end of the day, um, if you're not clicking on that relationship level, um, nobody's going to, no one's going to back you for anything. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. You know, I've met people who are investors and people who have got investment and I asked them the same question and you know anyone who's got investment says pretty much what you said it's always about that relationship yes the deal has to stack yes it has to be good but if you've got trust and you like each other you know it's it's more about that than just some numbers on a spreadsheet right so you know, when you first started like finding VAs and getting them to outsource, you know, the bits that you're doing, like finding tenants, finding deals, how did you know which ones were going to be good and that you could trust? Yes. Yeah, so this is, I think, um, one of the big blocks and barriers and, and fears that people have with virtual assistants, which is um, how how do they get a good one? Um, and it makes people very nervous. Um, oh, excuse me. <coughs> I have a slight cough today, so hopefully it won't disrupt too much. Um, when when people were asking me a lot about it, this was question number one. Like, how, how, how do they get a good virtual assistant? Or to rephrase that a little bit, um, 
where do they start with it? Because they're just not really sure how and where to get going. And, and because I was already doing it, and also because I was a property investor in the property community and could communicate um, the relevance of how to do it within property, that was one of the reasons people were very excited about talking to me. And um, the answer with this, and it's not just a virtual assistant question, I think this is a recruitment question on a wider level, because anyone who's worked for any organization ever has probably seen some pretty terrible hiring um and so you know it's just one of those things and at senior levels as well so it's it's an interesting thing um my first hires from the philippines weren't brilliant um when i first started i didn't get this completely 100 right day one and i went back to the drawing board and i thought right um, I have no time because I was working and, and doing this property business as well. And I was like, I need to find some excellent people from the Philippines really fast. Um, I am sure there are excellent people there. I'm absolutely sure about that. So how am I going to go about it? And I did a lot of research um, into what other people were doing and found out a lot more about outsourcing to the Philippines, all of these types of things. And the, th the thing that I came across that really got my attention was um, kind of a, co a concept of a recruitment funnel, which I hadn't really heard of before, and um, or, or not in the specific way that as, as I came across it. So I loved this. I was like, this is the answer. And I'll explain what this is so it makes sense. Um, so a recruitment funnel is basically designed to make sure that the strongest, the absolute best candidates come through it and any subpar rubbish candidates don't come through. So um, that is uh, the, the, the fundamental uh, driver behind the way that I designed my recruitment system. Um, and it is, it is my design. I, I got um, a couple of um, ideas from other people already doing it and then developed it out into my own design. So um, the way that it works is today I'm advertising two people in the Philippines on busy um, job sites, um, places like onlinejobs.ph. It's it's not a secret. There's huge amounts of people um, hiring and looking for jobs um, for the Philippines region on that website. And my advert um, says that I'm looking for bright and driven Filipinos to work with entrepreneurs overseas. And um, it's quite a detailed advert. There's lots of different things in there. Um, we go through everything from attitude to the general kind of tasks they'll be covering off to what kind of computer specifications and internet speed they should have. There's, there's quite a bit of detail in there. And um, the first problem, of course, when you put a, a job advert for anyone, anywhere, is you get all kinds of crazy applications that are absolutely awful. And the reasons that entrepreneurs start to get drained is because they spend their time, a very valuable time, going through a heap of rubbish, which they don't want to do. They absolutely don't want this. So um, this is where the recruitment funnel kicks in. Right from the job advert, within the job advert, there's a test. So not everybody will come through. And the test within my job advert says, if you want to work with us, please do this. And we tell the Filipino candidates what title to put in the email of their application. Now, when they apply to us, we can immediately see just from the email title whether they've read that advert properly or not. And obviously, if they haven't read a, a job advert, if they can't pay attention to detail, if they can't do any of those things, they're not the kind of people that you want to be working with. Um, but statistically, 50% of people will get this wrong. So half of the candidates immediately get ruled out because they can't read the job advert properly. Um, we then basically, we have an autoresponder, which just will let them know that if they don't hear back from us, they're not successful. So that's a bit, that's quite automated. Um, and then there are a couple more stages to my funnel. Um, when they get the application right, 
uh, they get an email from us asking them to take an aptitude test. It's a very quick test. It's 20 minutes. It's multiple choice. It's a mixture of verbal, logical, numerical reasoning. Um, it's designed to really find out um, who's, who's bright, switched on, understands the nuances of the English language because they're not working in their first language. Um, and, you know, who's going to be a problem solver? Who's going to be a quick learner? That's what we're looking for. Who are the strongest performers? And that test, again, we take the top performers forward. By the way, when I first wrote this test, I put a cheeky little Facebook post out to friends of mine saying, do you think you're clever? Please take this test. I've just written it. And people love this on Facebook. So they jumped on it and they took it. And, you know, I had a banker, engineer, lawyer, bright people that were friends of mine. They didn't know what it was for because I thought that might um, scare them off a little bit. But it was actually for benchmarking. So I could bench some UK professionals against these people from the Philippines because I was like, I, I want to make it meaningful um, for me. I want, I, I kind of want to understand how I would have done if I hadn't created the test because I'm too close to it. Um, and we take the top performers through from that. And then we're like, right, okay, we've got this bunch of people. They seem smart. That's great. But the, the big problem with the Philippines, and this is probably the most important thing for anyone who wants to do anything like this, the kind of thing that I'm talking about, is you've got to be very careful that you get people with good work ethic who are committed and who are going to deliver. Now, just because someone's smart does not mean that they um, you know, are going to reflect those values. So the final test that we do in this part of the recruitment process is, and the other two rounds have been very quick. So um, this is the most time consuming one. It probably takes a couple of hours of their time. But we ask them to do a research test for, for us. It's, it's a piece of work. Um, they go off. There's a property deal find question in there as well. So I do test their deal finding skills. Um, I give them all the background information they need. They don't need any prior knowledge. Um, I tell them how to run numbers. You know, I explain what I'm looking for. Um, and they go off um, and they've got a certain amount of time to get this test done and submit it back to us. Now, um, the whole point of this is with entrepreneurs that are overwhelmed, they've not, gonna, got, not got enough hours in the day, they're stretched really thin, they do need someone who's not only bright but who's going to deliver, who's going to be reliable, who's going to do what they say they're going to do, who's going to be proactive, who can manage their own time. These things are incredibly valuable skills in a virtual assistant. And this round, this, this kind of final written round that we ask them to do, 90% of people don't do it. It's only 10%. It's only one in 10 people that will come through and get this work done and get it back to us. So it just goes to show to me how many people are wasting your time. And if that is the truth, you need to nip it in the bud really early on. So that is um, part of my answer. We also, by the way, I, I don't want to talk about this forever, but we also will interview them and make sure that they've got good people skills. We do background checks on them. Um, and um, we also look at their social media and just make sure there's nothing like, you know, really, truly crazy and disturbing on there. Uh, the nutter tech, the nutter check, I call it, make sure that they're not, they're not nuts. But then, you know, we, we look at a few different aspects, but the people that we're left with at the end seem like they're really great, reliable people. And there are a few more things that I do to, to guarantee that they are going to work well with entrepreneurs. But this is my differentiator. Um, this is what I did with, within my own business to hire my own team in the Philippines. They've been great. I've been working with them for years now. This is what I ask people to do. Um, and it does bring out some truly extraordinary candidates. Yeah, and I can imagine. So being a recruiter myself, all of that sounds very kind of what I'm used to. But this is a much sort of bigger scale. And I think all the checkpoints are so important because, you know, like you said, all it takes is you to say you have to do a test. If if X many of them drop out, then good, because it saves you time and it, it just makes everything a lot easier. Now, I think so that was a really good answer to, you know, how you and how, you know, if people are doing it themselves, how they can uh find a good VA and also highlights the work that goes into it because obviously 
VAs, the whole point of them is just to make our lives easier. But in order to get it, there's some investment, whether that's money to get someone to find it for you or that's the actual time to do it yourself. There is that upfront cost to get a VA. Now, before we go into kind of other details of a virtual assistant, like what is a virtual assistant? How do you define this? What are some misconceptions and maybe things that they do just to really set the foundation of of, of what this thing is, what these people are? Sure. I, I do think there is quite a bit of confusion about this. Um, I, I like to make it as simple as possible and say, um, if you just think about a virtual assistant as a person who is working online, like put put all other preconceptions out of your head, because I think some of the preconceptions are these are administrators and they are only administrators and we just give them administration. And I'm like, OK, but in the Philippines, I have a video editor. I have a tech guy. I have um I have a qualified accountant. I, I don't do my accountancy through the Philippines, but, you know, she's has strengths with reconciling um, numbers and suggesting accountancy systems. Um, and, you know, I have all these different skill sets and you can look for pretty much any skill set um, as long as it can be done online. There was a little bit of a movement um, in the Philippines at one point where they tried to call themselves virtual professionals instead of virtual assistants. And I think the reason and it didn't take off. And I, I, I sort of tried it. I, t- I said virtual profession professionals to a couple of people and they, they were like, what, what is that? And I had to go back to virtual assistants because people just understood that term and they did not understand the virtual professional term. So I dropped it. But the whole push with that was to try and make people see that it's not just administration. This can really be any skill that they can assist you with um so and of course there were you know i've already mentioned some people hopefully are thinking after i describe the recruitment funnel or hang on a minute i could get some really bright talented people yes you can and with some really incredible skill sets as well so you know they can start helping you with um social media social media financial uh, reconciliation of course the, the sort of bare bones that you need help with which probably will be a lot of administration and a lot of operational tasks but just i suppose you know, for some people, maybe look to push um, their mindset about how they can be helped. And in fact, there's there's something to say that um, is there really anything in your business that makes you truly indispensable? Um, because ideally, if you want to get to that place one day where your business truly runs without you, where it doesn't really matter if you turn up to work or not, because people and systems are effectively running it for you, then you're going to need to find a way to replace yourself in every single thing that you do. Wow. Okay. And then, so when it comes to that, that range of tasks, you know, would you say that, so you got, I guess you've got the traditional business, which is get an office in England, hire staff, pay them double digit thousands of pounds a year, deal with NI, deal with tax, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, grow a business, which you know, potentially has an end value as well to sell on. And then there's, I guess, the more modern approach, which is you work from wherever and you're in Mexico right now, right? I am, yes. And you're working from there. You can run your whole business from there. Correct. I'm actually traveling. Um, I'm a... Sounds a bit pretentious, doesn't it? A digital nomad entrepreneur, <laughs> location independent entrepreneur. So I, I am currently in Mexico. Yes, I, I've been moving location quite a lot over the last year. Right. So that shows the kind of modern, which is, you know, be wherever you like, have your team wherever they are in the world and still have a successful business. Do you think that do you think that more and more businesses are going to move to this model? Oh, absolutely. This is this is undeniably a trend. If you start looking at statistics, um, outsourcing and and remote working, I mean, 
for a start, it's it saves a huge amount of cost if you don't have a premises. Um, a lot of the tech startups are very switched onto this, and some of them have no head office. Um, and you can be clever with that kind of thing. You can still register. There are buildings that specialize in um, renting you out a fancy address and a nice meeting room if you ever want to present yourself as having um, a nice HQ. Um, and you can do that at cost because they're doing that to multiple, you know, for multiple people. You can run remote teams. You can outsource to more affordable regions. The Philippines is far more affordable to uh, hire people from from the UK. Far more. People are astonished at what they can get. Um, and so, yes, it is absolutely a trend. The Philippines alone, I mean, it's bigger corporates that have been outsourcing a lot to the Philippines, but that has just been growing and growing and growing as an industry. Um, and, and people want to work from home as well. I think all of us, no matter how, you know, it's a, people might think of it as a millennial thing, but all of us, no matter how old we are, of like, oh, the flexibility of working from home. If you're London-based and you have that um, horrific commute every day, just it's like a gauntlet that you have to get through to a job that you may not be that excited about in the first place. Then uh, just just working from home, even in the same job, seems like a fantastic relief and opportunity and and step forward in work-life balance. Um, and with the technology and the right systems and the right approach, um, it's very, very doable. So I think there are there are multiple things happening that are creating a movement towards this. Hmm. And, you know, we've kind of covered and I think it is often kind of obvious to people why they should have a VA. But what are some of the reasons that maybe you hear a lot of or you see that kind of property investors say to you, you know, this is why I need a VA? Yes, yeah, so that, that's a great question. I think th the thing that happens with that, so, um, and I was confused by this at first when I when I talked about um, why people were so excited about talking to me because I just thought they're just virtual assistants. This isn't this isn't new. Um, if you've got any Tim Ferriss fans, the Four Hour Work Week, he was talking about this in I think it was 2008. That's well over 10 years ago. So I, I was like, why is everybody? Um, it's almost like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and they want to talk to me. Um, and I asked on forums as well as I started to develop and grow the business. I said, what are your fears? Um, what is it about virtual assistants? What's stopping you? And I didn't really get clear answers. And I think the clear answer is that most people just don't know where to start. They're busy. It seems like a big task. That seems exhausting. Um, and, you know, they're already learning a lot to do everything they're doing in their business. And th there's a fear of bad hires. There can be a fear of letting go of control. Um, so they need someone to step in and and reassure them that it's going to be OK. It maybe take care and protect them from some of those things that they're scared of. And in all honesty, I think that's why my business has grown quite fast and quite fiercely, um, because I've stepped into that space and other people are starting to step into that space. Um, and once people see that, there's a strong positive reaction to it. There is another challenge which I come across. Um, there are two big things that come up over and over again. Um, the first one being this slight nervousness about how to get started. The second one is about delegation. So there have been instances I've been talking to people about this is um, how you hire. And I tell them what I've what I've already told you and they get excited and they're like, great. And they're like, so, you know, how do I delegate? And I'm, I'm like, oh, wow. OK, so that's probably like another three hours of me explaining to you. So how am I going to 
cut that right down, which I can do. I could package that up and do that. And that's okay. But when someone's coming to me for this quick fire, I want this information now type, you know, response. And I want to be able to help them in that moment. So what I did to, um, to do that was I drew up a, a checklist. Um, I'm an ideas person. I'm a creative. So I, I pushed myself and I was like, I want to think of a um, hundred ideas of things that people can delegate to a virtual assistant because I never run out of ideas for that stuff. And to me, it's because it, it's not my brain. It's it's funny to me when people come to me and they don't have ideas, but I'm like, no, I can help them. They've got a different brain to me. Um, they're good at different things. So let me do this. And um, I wrote down um, 100 things that I could think of. I did two versions of it. Actually, I did one version for all entrepreneurs because I work with people outside of property as well as in property. And I did another version more geared towards property investors with some of those operational tasks that I mentioned before. Um, and so that checklist, we talked about it because we'd like to do a giveaway from the show. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand that over to you. And then if, if people like it, you can direct them on how to get hold of it. But the real purpose of it is for them to sit down with 100 tasks. And maybe not all of them are relevant to every person, but I think a good half of them will be. Um, even if you delegated one task a day um, for 50 days, um, that's going to be a game changer in your business. You're going to get 10, 20 hours of your time back uh, per week. Um, you're going to start to free yourself up. You're going to see where those tasks are. You're going to see the tasks that you're fed up of, that you hate doing, that you don't feel that you're very good at, um, that you're bored of. You, those will jump out at you and you'll say, yes, I'd love to get rid of that. I'd love to get rid of that. I'd love to get rid of that. And that's when the virtual assistant can move in, start taking them over um, and really help you to accelerate forward. And you'll get good at delegation through going through that process. And by the time you've got to the end of that checklist, you won't need any more help from me or anyone else on how to do that. Wow, I love that. So everyone, the free gift is 100 different tasks that property investors can delegate to a virtual assistant. If you want it, I'll put it in the show notes and on my Instagram page and my Facebook page, there'll be a link, you click on it and you will get that PDF. That sounds awesome. And I think, you know, when when we start off in property, you know, when we're new, especially, it can be sometimes hard for us to realize like how much there is like now I'm sort of 90% full time property. I'm like, how was I even doing this before? Because now my days are not working on something else. They're working on property yet. The days keep going. Um, and I keep running out of time. And so it, it is really interesting. And I think with VAs, do you think that you know, someone should get it right from the beginning? Or do you think they should have a few weeks, months of doing bits, learning what they want to delegate and then get a VA? What do you think about the timing of it? it that's a really good question. And I think there are a couple of different ways to think about it. Um, the calm and organized way to do this is to decide what every single system is in your business, um, what every single process is, and then hand it over to your virtual assistant um, and there we go. But let's be honest about being an entrepreneur. It is absolute chaos a good chunk <laughs> of the time. Um, yep. So, you know, I went I went into this environment um, of chaos um, with my team, uh, <laughs> my growing team in the Philippines experiencing that chaos firsthand. And um, I changed my mind. I changed direction. I changed how we did things. There was a lot of change, but I still really benefited from their help. Um, so there, there are a couple of ways to, to look at this. 
um, one way is is this way of perfect systems. And I do think that that, that, w- that will always be true to an extent. There will always be certain things that you're like, well, you know, I'm doing deal find every single day, so I can hand that off to a VA. And then when you find a deal, there'll be new tasks. There'll be tasks to do with tenant find, for example, and you'll need to create that and hand it over to the VA. So there will be a certain kind of movement within your business um, and your, your delegation to your VAs would ideally keep up with that movement. So my rules around this are really... Um, first off, try and delegate one thing per day. Um, yes, I know that people are incredibly busy and entrepreneurs may feel like they want to cry sometimes when they find out about all the extra stuff they're supposed to do in this day that already seems too full. But just bear in mind this end goal of you not doing everything. Um, the time it takes to teach someone to do something really well um, will more than pay off when they do it a couple of hundred, couple of thousand times for you in the future. That That's a really good thing. Um, so there's a balance there. And I think with managing that balance, um, it's a mixture of communication. Communication is so important. There have been times I've sat down with my team in the Philippines and I've, I've tried to make it sound like I'm completely in control by saying, guys, we are currently in, uh, what I like to call a chaos phase, um, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever you make of it. Um, and I just explained, I'm like, I'm really busy right now. So this is where I need your help. Or you may be a little, little bit ramped down because there's a lot of pressure on me and I need to get through this. Um, and I've just explained to them what's happening, why it's happening, where I intend to take us next, how I need them to help me. Um, and that's been brilliant. That's kept us together. Um, I think if I hadn't done that, there's no way it would have worked. Um, so I did it on the go. The thing is, right from the beginning, when you're starting up a business, whether you're doing loads of research into different systems, approaches, what your competitors are doing, domain names you could use, um, that takes a lot of grunt work. And VAs could even help at that very early stage onwards. Um, it's something that I would like to create more material around in future, because I do sometimes get asked this question by people really thinking about this. Um But then in an ideal world, and if you're very process driven, as I say, there should ideally be processes created and handoff and things like that. But I think there will always be a balance between the two in a growing business. Mm. And, you know, when it comes to like using a VA, so obviously it's important to be self-aware with, you know, how much time you're spending on various different tasks. And obviously, once you get a VA, I think what's important for people listening is that they're not a commodity. They're still a person, right? So the job may be commoditized, but it's all—it's also about the relationship with them. And, you know, I don't think someone can expect a VA to necessarily just do lots of stuff like a robot without some sort of, like you said, communication relationship, being honest um, and just staying in kind of, you know, communication with them, which nowadays is is easy, you know, like in terms of Skype, WhatsApp, phone calls, whatever it is, it's, it's easy to do. So if we get into the details of a VA, right? So say if, and I know, you know, this is going to vary from what the VA is doing, but how can someone work out, even if it's roughly like how much a VA is going to cost them per month to do certain things? Is there like a price? Is it per hour? Is it per task? How would it kind of normally work? Sure. Um, really, really good points there. There's just a couple of things that you touched upon that I'd like to expand out because I think they're um, important. First of all, 
Um, just somebody being self-aware about what they're doing all day. You've, you've sort of mentioned that. Um, apart from my delegation checklist and all of that, the other really important thing to do is to think about that. Because if I grabbed a lot of busy entrepreneurs and I sat them down and I said, uh, what did you do yesterday? And they said, oh, I, I worked 14 hours. And I said, yeah, okay, and what did you do? Can you break that down? What did you do by the hour? How many hours did you spend on sales? How many hours were you on the phone? How many hours were you in your marketing? Did you do any data entry? Did you do any administration? A lot of them will go, I have no idea. It was just a blur. Um, so you, you need to break your own day down and kind of understand what you're doing when you're doing it. Um, there are ways to do that and systems um, to do it. And that will help you identify as well how virtual assistants can most help you. Um, just the second point I wanted to pull on was the relationship. So important. And it's one of my bugbears um, that I think some people are like, ah, VAs, they're like a kind of robot that come in and magically do everything. Um, no one's going to do that without some motivation. Um, ideally, a great relationship with you. Um, you mentioned investment, and I will talk about the finances in a second. It's not just a financial investment. It's an investment in a relationship. It's investment in training. It's investment in developing talent within your business. If you do something like a recruitment funnel, if you work with me and we find um, a really great talent for you, the best thing you can do is develop them, um, let them use their talent, be excited about working with you and be valuable. The worst thing that you can do is be like, okay, great, I'm really busy. Um, I might speak to you in a couple of months. Here's some terrible instructions. Get on with it. That is about the least motivating thing you could possibly do for them. And if they're a true talent, they're not going to stay with you for very long. So, yes, relationships, absolutely. Um, pricing, how do you budget for it? Um, it, that depends, of course, where you're going to hire from. Um, there are uh, differences in the types of VAs you'll get from different v regions. So, for example, and I think it's important to make this point, if you're in the UK property investment community and you want um, a VA who understands the UK property investing um circles and methodology and processes very well, you're probably going to need to hire in the UK and you'll get an experienced person with prior knowledge who's going to cost quite a bit. Um, if you want to hire from the Philippines, um, you're going to get a bit more like raw talent. They probably, they could be very dry, uh, very bright, um, especially if you screen correctly, but they're going to be raw talent. They're going to be bright, but they will need training. They won't understand the difference between um, you know, London and Leeds. It doesn't mean anything to them. They don't really know the UK. So you will go through a process of developing them within the business. Price points um, are really interesting. Um, if you work with an agent like myself, um, there will be fees. Um, I personally um, charge a one-time sort of sourcing fee as we're talking to a property audience to source someone, which is um, £397, so just under £400. But I put a, a six-month guarantee on that. So if anything goes wrong within six months, um, we'll sort it out. Whether the VA leaves or whether you fire them, we'll sort it out. I'm very relationship-focused, and I want it to work on a longer term. Um, the VA themselves, um, it depends, again, how the agency is set up. I personally don't take a cut of their salary. Um, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that model. Um, so you can hire VAs from me from around £2 an hour. Um, 
two to three pounds an hour at the lower end um, for a VA. I do recommend that you put it up um, over time and develop them. Um, but it's so affordable compared to the UK, so incredibly affordable. Um, other people will charge out UK, um, sorry, excuse me, VAs from the Philippines, uh, double that or more than that, um, especially if they're taking a salary cut. Um, the VAs that they're working with will probably be making a similar amount on the end, probably somewhere between two and four pounds an hour. Um, that is a model that's established in the US. I've spoken to VA agencies in the US and there are a couple of people doing it in the UK. So if it's extremely cheap, um, then it's it's because you're paying them direct. Um, if it's more expensive, it's probably because there's a cut involved in there. And then, of course, if you're looking for specialist skills, if you're looking for some of these specialisms, um, video editing or web design, graphic design, that might cost you a bit more as well. Um, specialists are something that I'm planning to expand into in the future. Um, so that should give you a rough idea. UK, UK VAs are more likely to charge you 20 to 30 pounds an hour. Um, they're going to be very different to work with to a, to a VA in the Philippines. Different things are right for different businesses. Um, but for a lot of people who are starting a business, who are um, nervous about their cash flow, the Philippines is a really great place to start um, because, you know, of the price points. Wow. I mean, that's definitely, yeah, like you said, way, way cheaper than hiring anyone in the UK. And, you know, when it comes to specialist skills, if it's, if it's going to be, you know, close to that amount, just you know, a higher number, that's still pretty impressive is to get video editors, for example, or, you know, graphic designer website builders in the UK, or even if you go on Fiverr or Upwork, they're still going to be costing, you know, a lot more than that. So it definitely is um, affordable when it comes to it. I mean, one, I guess one thing I, I kind of struggle with VAs is say if you're getting a VA to do some social media stuff for you, how can you trust them with your password? Because they can just shut, you know, and this is again, you know, worst case, but they could just shut your account down and that's it. You're done. Uh, yes. A, a, a malicious person from anywhere could do that to you, but you need to remember that, um, you have two choices. You can control everything in your business and always be working in it, or you can start to trust and delegate and outsource and let go of control and, uh, have a life. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting way to put it. Okay. And out of the VAs you've found for people, how often do sort of VAs get fired or leave? Um, it's a good question. We have a success rate of um, it's around 80% with our placements. Um, that means 80% of the VAs we place don't walk out get fired or have anything wrong. I, I think our success rate is unusually high because of the way that we filter. Um, and also we don't just place a VA and, and leave them with a customer and assume everything's okay. The customer would have a relationship manager from my team in the Philippines who would be checking in with them during the onboarding period, the first few weeks of working together and asking them if everything's okay. Because one thing with, with recruitment, um, which I'm sure you, you will know from your own experience is that if something is going to go wrong, it quite often goes wrong quite quickly. Um, the person seems great. And then within a few weeks of working together, something happens that you're like, no, this is not working out. Um, so we keep an eye on it at that early stage because people often start how they mean to go on. Um, so that's one of the things to keep an eye on. And then, um, I'm so sorry, what was the specific question you asked me? I've got into a mind blank. And I think you answered there in terms of, you know, what, how many people leave or get fired. And I think 80% is, is kind of, is the answer. 
Right. Sorry. What I wanted to say, um, you know, I think that usually if you weren't doing some crazy, insane filtering like I am, it's going to be more like 50 percent. Um, because I've spoken, I spoke to another agency who's based in Utah in the United States and I spoke to the founder, um, and they told me their success rate was more like 50% because they were doing a more traditional, uh, approach of looking at a CV. It looks okay. Speaking to the person, they look okay. And then putting them relatively quickly into the environment. Whereas we do, um, a lot more to test their work ethic and things first. Um, if you go out there and hire for yourself, um, a lot of people, fail with this a lot of people do because some of the people that come and speak to me um have told me that they're like oh or they 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 play around with fiverr and upwork and fiverr and upwork there are some great people it's the same as everywhere really as on the job sites as well there's some great people on there there's some very average people on there and there's some terrible people on there and you have to go through that process of trying to work out um you know which is which um so it's a bit of a lottery um, and, and that's the name of the game in this area. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've totally, you know, being a recruiter, 99% applications get rejected and then 1% kind of eventually make it through. So yeah, totally see where you're coming from there. Now, what do you think makes, you know, briefly, what do you think makes your VA services different from others? Because obviously there's a fair few people, you know, doing kind of what you're doing, the VA recruitment and matching, you know, briefly, what makes yours better or different? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, so with my model, and I think a lot of my friends don't really get what I do. So it's funny when I, I sit down and I think about it. Um, of course, just speaking about the industry a little bit wider, um, my customers are entrepreneurs, pretty much exclusively entrepreneurs. Um, they, that includes property investors as well, property entrepreneurs, they're a type of entrepreneur. And um, they would either be alone, not have a team, or they would have a very small team, um, less than 10 people. Some people have already got um, a couple of people doing bits and pieces for them, um, and they're looking to grow their team um, by adding a virtual assistant. So that that's specifically the customer type that I work with, and I love that customer type because that is me as well. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I understand the challenges. I know what it feels like. Um, and I love talking to them and I love making a difference. So that's one of the differences. Um, the other side of that being that I'm niching down to the Philippines specifically as a region to recruit from. So that there's a lot of outsourcing to the Philippines, but um, it's been historically big corporates um, that have been setting up call centers and back office processing centers there. That's really been the precedent. So this is a little bit different looking to hire talented um, individuals talented uh talented individuals from there to work with um entrepreneurs and i'm not just working with people in the uk by the way i'm working with people in the usa in canada in australia um everyone entrepreneurial has got this problem um so it's been opening up doors for me which is really really good um the other things that differentiate me um i believe are customer care um i i really do want to make a difference to entrepreneurs um so that's one of the reasons that I assign a relationship manager to monitor the relationship after we've done the placement. Um, I want to know if it goes wrong and I want to know why um, so that we can learn from it, act on it um, and keep that person happy so that they continue to say you know, good things about me, my business um, and that we keep the relationship with them. So that's a big part of it for me as well. Um, then the innovation in my business, the way that I screen is is fairly unusual. Um, virtual assistant agencies do not generally do it as standard. Um, there are there's at least one person who's seen what I've 
what I the way that I'm doing it um, has got really excited about that and has replicated my design. Um, so I think there's maybe a movement towards this as more and more people learn about it. Um, when I speak to people about um, virtual assistant recruitment, um, even if they don't want to work with me, I just say for or, or are unable to at that point in time, I say, you know, take what I've told you and think about it. If you're going to do it for yourself, put them through some kind of filtering, just, you know, at least um, take that precedent to, to, to do it um, in a way that's hopefully going to um, protect you from bad experiences and help you find a good person. Um, but the innovation is, is interesting because because people like the way that I recruit virtual assistants, they start to ask me about other stuff. So what they ask me about a lot is systemization. I'm, st I'm asked more and more about that. Well, what kind of technologies do we use to speak to each other? What kind of project management systems? How should I do this? How should I do that? Um, there's lots of things that I'm innovating on at the moment. And I think um, just the industry space in general, um, there's, there's so much more that can be brought forward to connect with that because, you know, hiring one virtual assistant is step one. But then what about team building, building up a remote team? How do you go from one to several? How do you start allocating and splitting down the roles? Um, that's something that I can help with. Um, the systems to support that um, ongoing dele delegation and really take it to another level, not just, okay, I've got a bit of help with this and a bit of help with that, but really um, start to make that very, very sophisticated. So for example, um, one of the VAs on, on my team um, that I was working with, um, she uh, she's very bubbly and outgoing and she loves being on camera. That's her thing. She loves it. Um, so I got her to go and interview all of my clients and start getting testimonials from them because I've been meaning to do it for ages, but I didn't have the time. And, you know, it's just one of those things, but it was important. So she turned that into a whole project. She renovated part of her bedroom into a little recording studio. That was amazing. I didn't ask her to do that. Um, I did, I did pay for it when I found out about it. Cause I was like, that's, that's incredible. That's above and beyond. And she went out and did all of these different interviews. She taught herself how to edit um, so that she could edit them all down and, you know, I now have a whole bunch of client testimonials on videos, um, which showcase that I utilize people from the Philippines, even in that context, because um, she's doing all the interviewing, um, developed her a lot as, a, as an individual and a person with her skill sets um, and, and put that all together. And that's the kind of thing that people are not really thinking at that level. Um, but, you know, that, that starts to make a powerful difference in your business. Mm, wow. OK. And then, you know, when it comes to like your so what you're doing next, what's in the pipeline for you? So um, what happened, what's happening right now, which I'm um, excited about, is that more and more people um, are asking me to speak um, at various events. Quite often, um, my talk at property events is geared towards um, systemization, your property business, um, leveraging virtual assistants. Um, so that's a specialist topic that I can go into. Um, I, you know, I can speak at other general entrepreneurial events about VAs as well. Um, some people have been very kind because they've asked me about speaking in events and I've said, well, I'd love to, but I'm not going to be back in the UK for a little while. So they've let me do, do it via video conference, which I've been very grateful for. Um, obviously, things with, with podcasts, it doesn't really matter where I am. So that's exciting to do podcasts. Um, I will be back in the UK for Christmas because I miss my family. And um, so that Christmas New Year kind of period, um, I'm going to try and get some um, into those events that I was asked to speak at and just cluster them together um, during that period of time that I'm back. 
So I'm really excited about that, talking to people, answering questions, um, telling more people that this is a great way to to take the pressure off. Um, then a lot more online content because I've got so many ideas and I've got questions and I see the areas where people need help with. I mean, when you asked about the password um, thing on, on, on social media before, it, security is a big topic. Um, and, and, you know, security and protecting data is a big topic. I, I gave quite a short answer to that. But that, that's probably the kind of thing where people would actually like two or three hours of training to feel, um, you know, rel- that they've got a certain peace of mind about how they go about that um, and how they can make sure that they've done everything they can think of within the business. Uh, there, there is an element of mindset of you need to let go of, of some things. And, and most people are not malicious. They're not looking down to take down your business or, or you know, cut you out of your own Facebook. That's not what they're looking to do. Um, most people, their heart is in the right place. But there's still a lot of security things that, that can be put in that need to be learned about. Um, so putting things together around that, um, around some of the administration side of setting up VAs within a business um, from tax and legal perspectives, that sort of thing. Um, and, and also just the next level, bringing in specialists as well as generalists to the difference and understanding that and the different roles, taking delegation to the next level. There's so much online content that I want to create around this. Um, and also, you know, if you were to look at um, something that's maybe very next level, for example, is let's say you're already a property investor, um, but you want to start trading on Amazon. Would it be possible to set up an Amazon business by leveraging VAs to do pretty much all the grunt work for you? So instead of you'd still need to understand the business and understand the processes, but you would actually sort of monitor the business setup and, and flow rather than be, you know, putting all that blood, sweat and tears to make it happen by yourself? Is it possible to get VAs to set up other investment entities and vehicles for you and start to get into things like make money online? I think that's very interesting because I know that people are extremely interested in different ways to make money. Um, and I think that the talent from the Philippines um, can be quite extraordinary in supporting that in ways that people are, are not really thinking about yet. Um, so that's what I want to start introducing more and more in terms of online content and creating things that people can tap in, learn, get excited about, um, take what I've done and develop it out for themselves. Um, that's where I want to go. And then on a more a slightly more personal note, um, I would like to put myself um, under uh, a little more accountability for continuing to delegate, leverage and systemize to pull myself out of my own business um, more and more and more so that it does operate without me. I talk about it. I'm not at the end of that journey myself. um, So I need to keep designing and moving towards it every day. Amazing. Lots happening. Lots of outsourcing, lots of freedom by the sounds of it, which I like. So um, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for the listeners to do it? Yes. Um, so our website is um, thefreedomgeek.com. Um, the Freedom Geek, because uh, I'm a geek and I want freedom and I want to help people with freedom. Um, so uh, if you go on and it is the thefreedomgeek.com, um, if you go on there, um, there's there's a facility to book in a call with me so people can book in a call, have a check direct, uh, chat direct um, with me so I can understand more about their business, answer any additional questions they've got, that kind of thing. We're going to be launching webinars soon, so the information will be on there um, so I can talk to several people at the same time. Um, and, and then please do follow us on Facebook as well, um, The Freedom Geek. Awesome. Uh, Imogen, thank you so much for coming on the Teshwalks podcast. I really appreciate it. I think the listeners are going to have a nice insight into 
what a VA is, you know, how to work with one, where they can find one, the kind of costs. And everyone, again, for that 100 tasks that you as a property investor can delegate to a VA, please look at the notes uh, in this podcast and also look at the Instagram post that is going to follow it. So Imogen, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.